or electronic device with your Bible. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand powerful word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. And I look at your neighbor and say, smile. You're on candid camera. <laughs> With those Bibles, today I want to talk to you about Memorial Day, but we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 49. So I want you to turn there. We're going to read um, a large section of this scripture. And I want you to follow along with me. Isaiah 49, we're going to pick it up at verse 8 and talk about the restoration of Israel to the end of the chapter. And uh, the reading of God's Word is important. And the more that we read God's Word, the better it becomes. And we need to, in this day and age, we need to be sure that we stay focused on the Word of God. Okay? And today's message will be a little bit different in that I'm not necessarily going to take you through verse by verse by verse in the message itself. I'm going to give you seven things you learn from this story that we're going to read, or these passages we're going to read, and uh, then hopefully wrap it up with a, a good application at the end. But let's start with verse 8. It says, This is what the Lord says, in the time of my favor, I will answer you, and in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land, and to reassign its desolate inheritances, to save the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat upon them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. I will turn all my mountains into roads and all my highways will be raised up. Soon they will come from afar, some from the north, some from the west, some from the region of Aswan. Shout for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord comforts His people and will have compassion on His afflicted ones. But Zion... Say, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby on her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Say, I have engraved you. And here's a key verse in verse 16. Say, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Your sons hasten back to those who laid you waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your sons, all your sons gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them as an ornament. You will put them on like a bride. Though you were ruined and made desolate and your land laid waste, now you will be too small for your people and those who devoured you will be far away. The children born during your bereavement will yet say in your hearing, this place is too small for us. Give us more space to live in. Then you will say in your heart, Who bore me these? I, have, I, have, I was bereaved and buried. I was exiled and rejected. Who brought these up? I was left all alone. But these, where have they come from? This is what the Sovereign Lord says. 
Say, I will beckon to the Gentiles. I will lift up my banner to the peoples. They will bring their sons in their arms and carry their daughters on their shoulders. Kings will be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers. They will bow down before you with their faces to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Can plunder be taken from warriors or captives rescued from, from the fierce? But this is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh. They will be drunk on their own blood as with wine. Then all mankind will know that I am the Lord and your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. May God bless the reading of His Word today. Seven things I want you to take away from this, these passages today. The first is the power of memory. The power of memory. There's a book of conversations with World War II bomber pilots that uh, was published, and one of the conversations in there was with a man named Bob Elliott. While we were playing together in the Edward Boxdale Golf Tournament, Rodney Gilbert told me about a friend of his, another bomber pilot, who was shot down and wounded. The pilot spent time in a German hospital being treated for his wounds. Then he was sent to a prison camp. <laughs> Go figure. The Germans provide medical attention to save a man's life so they can then torture him. Where is hell? Rodney commented on how reluctant his friend is to talk about his experience. I suspect it's because to talk about it is to relive it. Memory has the power of moving what was to what is, of making the past present. That's so true, isn't it? Now over this weekend, you'll visit with family and with friends. And you'll reminisce and you'll play some volleyball or you'll throw some horseshoes and you'll eat some good old ice cold watermelon. Seedless, hopefully. If you're from South Texas, it'll be yellow meated. Yellow meated watermelon. How many people have ever had yellow meated watermelon? You know, you know what heaven's going to be like. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Seedless, yellow. See, I need Jeff Pummer to start traveling to South Texas again because he would always bring me some yellow meated watermelon back. On this Memorial Day, I, I want us to stop remembering those who have died in war. Imagine the memories of those who have experienced the hell that is called war. My senior year, I am 63. My senior year, when I turned 18, was the first year that you could that we had a volunteer army. They still drafted all the way up through the letter M and then stopped the draft. I was grateful that my last name started with P. But I never had to go to war unless I chose to go to war. But what I've always been grateful for are all those who before me went and didn't have a choice 
Many of them volunteered to go. Because they believed in freedom's cause and they believed that this country was worth fighting for. And they still do today. Uh, Tina and Corey were in New York for a few days before they came back home and uh, they had, um, what was that called, Tina, with all the soldiers? Fleet Week. And just soldiers everywhere all over New York. Uh, I like to watch The Tonight Show with uh, Jimmy Fallon and his whole audience one night was just service people. And he thanked them for their service and it was an awesome display to see them. Uh, service people today are appreciative of the commander-in-chief that they serve under uh, currently, who cares about the military. Spoke at the Naval Academy, our president did. Spoke at the Naval Academy uh, over the weekend. And at the end of his speech, he was pl- he had plans to be somewhere else. He told everybody, he said, no, I'm changing my plans. He stayed on the stage and he shook the hands of every graduate that came up to get their diploma from Naval Academy. That speaks to me. Speaks to my to my heart about the country that I love. I have a brother that served in Vietnam. He volunteered to go. He was a little bit on the loose side in his brain mechanism, but uh, he volunteered to go, wanted to go. He said, I want to kill somebody. Well, he got a chance to do that, but it affected him. He was never the same when he came home until he found the Lord as his Savior. My goodness, what a change. He found peace. He didn't have nightmares at night. He didn't have the... It was just an amazing transformation. And I tell you, folks, we just can't be appreciative enough of those who have paid the ultimate price for us. If you get a chance, drive out to Fairhaven and look at the uh, array of flags that are there. They, it's one of the top three displays on Memorial Day weekend in the whole country. It's Fairhaven. Cemetery here in Broken Arrow. So go by and just be in awe of the, I mean, hundreds of flags that they post out there every year during Memorial Day weekend. Remember those that have died and gone before us, especially in war. They carry what they saw, they heard, they smelled, they tasted, they touched. It will always be, those that have survived, it will always be imprinted upon their minds and their hearts. So let us remember those who this very day are returning home with those similar memories and similar wounds and scars to body and mind. And then there are the memories of mothers and fathers and daughters and sons and sisters and brothers and wives and husbands, grandmothers and grandfathers whose loved ones put themselves in harm's way and made the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. Let us pause this Memorial Day and remember, and remember. And the truth is, is that we need not go to war to have painful experiences that reside within our soul. We all carry painful memories. We all have them. Don't let them define you. Don't let them define you. Secondly, I want you to understand that these scriptures in Isaiah 49 help us to understand memory and self-deception. On this memorial, I want you to ask 
God some questions. Here's one. What are we to do with our painful memories, God? Where, where are we to put our experiences of hell? Because some of us, some of you, have experienced that and you have gone there. I think of Sherry and Bryant and others who have battled cancer. <laughs> I like what Patrick told his dad. You know, why do they take the brain scan? There's nothing up there. Some of you may know the name Stephen Curtis Chapman. Anybody know that name? Christian singer. A few years ago, his son was backing out the car from the driveway only to run over his little sister that he didn't see playing in the driveway and killed her. Those are tragic things. This family that lost their level to an ATV accident of all things. Out having a great time with her friends and dies because of it. Folks whose children will take their own life because the pressures of life are just more than they can bear. It just the pain that they feel. The hell that they're going through. We can pretend our memories don't exist and if we don't think about it, they go away. But denial and pretense or lies, self-deception is destined to fall and fail. Cause us to fall and fail. We can live our lives exhausting ourselves and trying to push those painful memories down that are deep with us. That's like trying to push a beach ball in the water and keep it there. The problem with the strategy is that it's exhausting. Sooner or later, we grow weak and when our defenses are down, the memories explode to the surface. We confess, I just don't know what got into me. Well, and of course, the truth is, is that it's been there all along and we haven't dealt with it. So, a question to ask God is, what are we going to do with our painful memories? Third thing I want you to pick up here is that do this in remembrance of me. The good news is that God who took His Son's death on the cross and used it for our salvation is the same God who promises to hold our painful memories with us until we come to peace with Him. I've noticed men and women who are struggling with things in the past, but once they come to the Lord, a release happens. They can finally be at peace with some of those past pains. We don't exercise memories, we embrace memories. Embrace them. They're included in God's redemption of us. I can, when I mention, somebody mentions my dad to me. Very rarely does anyone in our family talk about my father. He was a mean man. He wasn't very liked and loved by any of his children. And there were six of us. But he wasn't very loved and liked by us. Especially the boys because of the way we saw him treat our mother and thought why she put up with him why didn't she when he was half drunk and asleep why didn't she kill him <laughs> makes you wonder 
decided we're not going to let that pain or that anger define my relationship with him. So I put a picture of him next to my mother in our house. They spooky you to look at. Sure looks familiar <laughs> in that picture. But I think of the good things that I can remember. I can think of many times when he would try to teach us things and get impatient with us, but nevertheless tried to teach us. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned was how heavy a transmission is on a pickup truck. I was the jack holding up the transmission. <clears throat> and you know there's a lot of bolts that go on the transmission. And so being a strong athlete that I was, he, he let me slide under there. I didn't even get to use the creeper thing. He just said, get under there. So I'm under there and I'm holding this transmission and it got me heavy. I'm not going to lie to you. And of course I didn't get the bolts lined up just like they were supposed to be. And so I got to hear about that. But wouldn't it have been great if he would have said, hey man, that thing's heavy, isn't it? I said, yep, it sure is. He said, well, man, let's find another way to prop that thing up. That would have been awesome. But that wasn't the doubt I had. But I always try to find some positive memories of him, and I don't have many. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't have many. I hope you do. I hope you have great memories of your dad. Because dads are so critical in the makeup of a family. So critical. And when we're not in the home, when we're not there 24-7, man, oh man, is it different. I admire single mothers. Woo. I do it all. Even single dads who do it all. Because you need mom. Right? You need both of them. That's what God's design was. But those memories, those rough memories we've got, we're part of God's redemption in us. Jesus reveals to us that this it's God's will at the table on the night when he was betrayed. He took the bread and wine and the feast of the Passover and one other bread and he said, This broken bread is my body broken for you. The cup of wine is my blood poured out for you. And when you eat the bread and drink this cup, do it in the remembrance of me. Every Sunday we do it. I hope it's not routine and mundane for you. I hope that you take that time every Sunday to reconnect with God. Don't ever forget what He did for you because He went through literal hell on earth for you and me on that cross. And prior to Him to the cross, they beat Him, they spit on Him. I don't know about you, have you ever been spit on? Worst possible disgrace you can receive. Somebody spit on you. The interesting thing about the Greek word translated remembrance that Jesus used is the Greek word amnesis. We get our amnesia word from it. When Jesus uses amnesis, he's saying when you come to my table and I am both host and meal, may the cost of self-sacrificing love that saved and reconciled and recreates become real to you. But I become real to you so that my way, truth, and life will become your way, 
your truth in your life. So Jesus suffered greatly so that we could have eternal life. Remember, so that the past becomes your present. Jesus told us to remember what we don't want to remember about Him, but to remember what He did for us. Mel Gibson captured part of that in Passion of the Christ. There's parts of that movie I don't want to remember. But boy, He captured exactly what Jesus went through for us. Fourth thing I want you to pick up this morning is that God's covenant, God is a covenant with us. A key word in Jesus' institution of the meal is the word covenant. The cup is the blood of a new covenant for the forgiveness of sin. Covenants between people in the Bible times were sealed not with a notary seal, but with the blood of an animal. God says to humans, I promise you forgiveness. You do not have to deny what you've done. I'll face it with you and redeem it for good. You can even remember that you killed my son. His blood seals this covenant because I have redeemed his death for good for the salvation of all mankind. Hallelujah. Fifth thing I want you to remember here and see is the flood and the rainbow. The flood and the rainbow. God redeems bad memories. He can be and can be seen in the aftermath of the flood. He looked at the flood afterwards and he said, I will never destroy the earth again by flood. Now what he said? He said it. Now there's been times, ask him in Houston, <laughs> there's been times when you thought, this is it. Louisiana and Katrina, this is it. My son Corey and his wife and, and our granddaughter are flying down to the uh, Destin, Florida area this weekend. And a hurricane's blowing right in that same area. I, I started to tell him, take your rubber boots with you, brother. You'll need them. But God reminds us of His great love for us. And every time it rains, what do you get to see in the sky? Rainbow. Sometimes you see two of them, three of them. All depends on how it goes. But it's a rainbow. That wasn't indicative of homosexual lifestyle. That was indicative that God said and made a promise to us that He would never destroy the world with water again. It's a promise. Take it to the bank. So when He places that rainbow in the sky, though the world's full of wickedness, don't ever forget that God loves you and God cares about you. And God died for you. Number six, Judas and Peter and their memories. Judas' memory of his betrayal of Jesus so tormented him that he only saw one way out and that was to kill himself. There's always another option. Young people today are killing themselves way too much. We're seeing too much violence in schools. These kids getting guns and walking into schools and just shooting people. Boy, what a heroic deal that teacher was up in Illinois or Indiana, wherever he was. That kid shot him three times, but he still tackled him and got the gun away from him. I like the fact that uh, the guard that was on school duty shot and killed the other guy, the other kid. And people are saying, man, we, you know, why is this happening? Folks, it could happen right here in church. You're facing me. You'd never see them come in the door until it's too late. That's why we started locking the doors. 
At least stop them a little bit, right? At least give them something. Hey, the door's locked. How can a church lock a door? Well, just watch us. I care about you. I want you to be safe. Amen? And so we're the leadership of the church. That's why we lock the doors. So just relax. And if you, uh, if you have a license to carry a gun, by all means, you carry it to on, uh, to, with you on church on Sunday morning. By all means. I want you to do it. It'll be okay. Well, preacher, we're not supposed to kill anybody. Before they get you, let's get them, okay? And then we'll pray. Find out what's going on. But Judas couldn't remember Jesus having taught that there's only one unforgivable sin. And Judas hadn't done it, but he thought he had because he saw no way out, so he took his life. And then you got Peter. Jesus even told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. I'll never deny you. You know how big we talk until we're put on the spot. And he just, Peter wept, it says. The Bible says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. So he understood the gravity of his sin and understood that he needed to repent and trust God. And he did, and God used him in a mighty way years, years later as he stood on Pentecost among, they said, close to a million people were there at that time. But he stood, and 3,000 people that day responded to the salvation message of Christ because of a sermon that Peter preached. And it wasn't a 15-minute sermon, by the way. <coughs> it wasn't laced with three points and a nice story at the end. He closed his sermon by saying, This same Jesus you crucified. That was the end of his sermon. And then the next verse says, They were pricked in their heart and asked the apostles, What must we do? You see, if you're truly ready to come to God, your heart will tell you so. Number seven, lastly, always remember we're in God's hands. And that's, that's what the passage of Isaiah 49 says. Isaiah says of the Lord, I will not forget you. He says, see, I have you tattooed on the palms of my hand. He has our names written on the palm of his hand. He's got Sam and Sherry and Tina and Sheila and Eddie. He's got us. Got us all. Can you imagine how big the hand of God is that every believer that's ever believed in has got his name written up the fingers and down the inside and all over. I, my name's written on his palm. Is yours? Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be an awesome tattoo to have on your hand that your wife and your children... And your grandchildren, I run them up my finger. I've got six, so I have to go to this hand. Unless I'm an alien, then I can bring out another one over here. Man, wouldn't that be? They always, they always be with you, and you'd never forget them, would you? You see, God remembers us, and when we're struggling, God, God sees us. When we're praying, God looks at His hand and goes, "Yep, got you. I got you." 
I got you. And on this memorial weekend, in which we remember those who have died in war, and all those memories are painful, let us remember that God has the whole world in His hands. And our names are written on the palm of God's hand. Father, I thank You for these this morning. Thank you that you love us the way you do and that you care about us the way you do. And that, Father, you have us. In every way that we need to be had, you have us. If we're struggling with sin, you got us. If we're rejoicing in the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, and we're as happy as we can be, you got us. We've got a struggle and we don't know how to overcome. <laughs> you got us. No matter what it is we face, no matter what it is we have done, we're written in the palm of your hand and you care about us. Oh God, would there be one today? Would there be one today that might respond to a call? to their heart from your spirit. God, if there's one, would they respond? Would they maybe come to the cross and just get on their knees and call out to you? Would there be one who wants to be baptized, one that wants to place membership, one that one that wants to develop a stronger walk with you? God, is there just one? You know what each heart needs. Would you help them to have the courage to respond in Jesus' name? Amen. I'm going to sing a song.